Hey guys, welcome to Clark Talks, the Colombian's podcast where we bring you the stories and views behind the news. I'm Katie Gillespie. And I'm Damian Pizzanti. And this week, we're going to do something a little different, right? Yeah, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to break from our normal format. Um, and and we're really excited about this, actually. This yes. is actually part one of a two-parter series of episodes all about beer. Beer. Um, Have you guys heard of beer? It's Anybody all, it's out there tried beer? It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoy it. <laughs> so today, um, and it's kind of interesting how this podcast evolved because we originally had just wanted to bring you guys um, one episode. And if you've if you've been with us since the beginning, we talked about the things that get left on the cutting room floor and that mm-hmm. when you're in the editing process, that mm-hmm. there's just so much that you have to leave out. Um, and then we had a bunch of really great conversations with some really cool people about beer and yeah. decided that we needed to bring you two whole podcasts about it so yeah originally we were going to break this down to a uh typical you know three section podcast that was a half hour long and we were going to close it by just tasting beer and talking about how to taste beer but the conversation was so good that um that turned into its own podcast by itself and that's going to be the first one we bring you this week yeah okay so this week we're sitting down with matt freeland and he's going to talk to us about how to drink a pint of beer because it's a little bit more complicated than I think that people typically think. Um, I mean, a lot more like yeah. wine tasting. Than... Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's really going that direction. Um, and it only makes sense with all the different varieties and all the different varieties within those varieties. I think it's really good that people know how to how to taste the different ingredients that are in there because they really shine through. And there's so much innovation happening in beer right now. Yeah, yeah. I think that people are really taking some great risks with beer and, and trying some new ingredients and some new flavors. We've mm-hmm. seen, you know, kind of the sour craze that hit the Pacific Northwest this summer. And, and it's only building. And it's really only building, yeah. Growing. Yeah, definitely. So, Katie, what's your favorite kind of beer? So, I really like porters and stouts. I like yeah. a good dark beer, um, mm-hmm. really rich, and the mm-hmm. d- coffee, chocolate. Um, I love a good oatmeal stout. is mm-hmm. probably my favorite variety of stout. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really happy to hear that. One of my sort of a small pet peeve of mine as a beer drinker is when people just like default by saying, oh, I don't like dark beer. And I think when they say that... I question how many of them actually know dark beer. I think that's like just the same as people saying like, oh, I don't like black coffee. They immediately just associate those beers with like strong flavors. With, that's and not I think specifically with bitter flavors too. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. And there's and I mean, so much likes, nuance. Yeah. I mean, nobody likes something that's great. Well, I mean, we are in the Pacific Northwest, so people do like bitter beers here. So it's true. With IPAs. It's true. All those hop heads out there. Yeah. Love <laughs> yeah. We're kind of, I think you and I are a little bit. A little bit of a different, though I do love a good IPA. I mean, I love a really good IPA. I'm a seasonal guy. I'm a seasonal. I like a good hoppy IPA in like the summertime or in the fall Um, and in the summer. Hot to summer and in the fall, I like a good hoppy IPA. But Mm -hmm. man, this time of year, give me a dark beer. Give me a Kolsch in the spring. Give me like, give me variety. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think one of my, when I first started drinking beer, one of my favorite ways to to drink beer was there was a, there's a bar up in Spokane um, called Manitou Tap House and they've always got like 60 different things on tap um, at any given time. And and I can never decide. I mean, when you look at a, when you look at a menu that it's like, how are you going to pick something? And I was a pretty new beer drinker at the time. So I would just get a, get a six, a six flight of, um, 
of different things. And and I'm glad you brought that up because for these guys that are listening, that's something we're going to talk about later, right? Is how if you're going to order a flight, even the order you're going to drink them matters in understanding what's in there and what's not in there. Yeah, definitely. Getting the so. full value of those flavors. Yeah, and making sure that you're tasting everything correctly. So This is classy. This yeah. is the cl- we are giving people like the classiest beer experience. And, and this is really good going into the holiday season because, or I guess we're right in the middle of the holiday season because as you're doing, as you're doing dinners and as you're doing um, potlucks and and whatever you're doing to be able to bring beer that matches the food and totally totally and not only that like this is the time of year when a lot of breweries are bringing out like their holiday varieties you're gonna see like a lot of maltier a lot of like richer beers yeah I think everyone's probably got a six-pack of jubilee in their fridge this time of year so but there's such a wide variety of different winter warmers and holiday beers so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's good stuff it's very good stuff so stay tuned guys for that next part Today's podcast is brought to you with support from the Colombian Subscription Department. Just in time for the holidays, take advantage of big savings on a gift they'll open again and again. For only $20 a month, you can give the gift of local news delivered every day. Call today to take advantage of this great offer. Request the podcast special by calling 360-694-2312. This offer is only available for customers that have not had service in the last 30 days. All right, guys, we're sitting down to talk beer right now with Matt Freeland from Lewitt Brewing. And I'm sure all of you know how to drink beer, but there's a lot to knowing how to taste beer and the flavors in there. And so we want to sit down with a couple different pints, talk about how to smell it, what to look for in flavors and different varieties. And who better to talk to it about or talk about this with than a guy who brews beer for a living. So thanks for coming on and talking with us. I appreciate it. Absolutely. No, thanks for having me here. I'm uh, glad that we can have this conversation because it's definitely a something that a lot of people don't really understand what they're doing going and tasting beers people just know whether it's good or bad or whether they like it which is a key thing but there's so much more to it so much more complexity that you can pull out of it with the more that you know for all those people out there that don't know who you are and what you do at Lewitt you want to tell them what your role is in the in the in the business yeah uh, so my name as you introduce is Matt Freeland uh, I'm the head brewer for Lewitt um, basically um, between me and Devin and Tom the two owners uh, we do the recipe development. We um, kind of done the, do the production schedule. Um, and my job is basically maintaining the quality of the beer, uh, producing the beer, and making sure that um, the things that we're doing are coming out. And, I mean, you guys are clearly doing – I see Shadow Ninja absolutely everywhere. Yes. It's becoming a real staple yeah. here in Vancouver. It is. So. It's. I mean, it seems like any bar, anywhere you go to these days, um, you can find Shadow Ninja on tap. Um, we're getting really well known for our IPAs, um, and even though we're kind of at a production standpoint, we're still able to slide in a, a fun beer, a fun recipe, something new. So Katie and I are both have a dark beer sitting in front of us, and we haven't taken one sip yet because we want to go through the whole process of really knowing a beer and explaining to mm-hmm. people how to know a beer. So if you're going out tasting beer, if you're going to do a flight at a new brewery that you've never been to or a bar, wherever you get your beer, it sounds like the best thing to do is start, uh, you can order a variety, but start by drinking the darker ones and then move your way up through the beers. Y- yes and no. Um, so really? generally, like if they have a lager, um, mm-hmm. that's just a light lager, you want to start with that. Um, start with a light pale. Then you want to move into the darker beers um, and the middle malts before that. And then after that, you move into something with the heavy IBUs. Now, IBU is uh, just one key factor into how bitter a beer will be but it gives you an idea of um, its potency to, to burn your palate. 
And so a high IBU is gonna change the flavor profile of everything after it. So you wanna build up to get those flavors without, um, so you can really get the full essence of each one. Um, before we even take a sip, talk to us a little bit about like head retention on a beer and what's going on with the effervescence of a beer and like the way it, no it hits your nose and how that factors into the whole thing. Well, that's the whole thing is um, your taste and your and your the aroma all blend to create that flavor profile. If you ever wanted to do an interesting experiment. Um, Something that we do in, in some classes we do with teaching people how to taste things and, and look for flavors is go grab like a Jelly Belly um, uh, and plug your nose and pop it in your mouth without taking in any air and chew it up and you're going to taste kind of just sugar, sweet. That's all about it. Then open your nose and breathe in and let the air roll over it and all of a sudden you're going to taste the flavor of that candy um, because it is all interconnected. So with the head retention and the aromas coming off of a beer, they give you that kind of detail outside of the, the base for the savory, sweet, salt, sour that comes off of um, your palate. So it's really important that you have a really nice aroma and the head retention is the way that is going to be presented to you as you drink it. A flat beer tastes completely different than a well-carbonated beer. And a beer with a strong head, a really nice thick head, will hold that head retention and that aroma within the beer. Whereas if it doesn't, that CO2 releasing out the top will start dissipating that aroma in, until you just don't have as much to be able to pull the true flavor out of it. So um, how about you tell us, what are we about to be drinking right now? Okay, so what you have right in front of us is uh, Grimlock Rye Porter. Um, it's uh, one of our newest uh, dark beers. I think our first brew of it was last spring. We entered it into a couple of contests. It won silver in the World Beer Cup, which is an international uh, brew fest um, beer competition, which was phenomenal, and won gold in the Washington Beer Festival um, for the category. So it's a really great representation. It has some nice complexity. Being a porter, you're going to find uh, kind of hints of roast and toast, um, and then you're going to have a little bit of that spiciness coming off of the rye in the very back end. Walk us through the process of like what we should be yeah. doing, how should we should be tasting this. You know, there's there's a thousand ways to do it. The main thing you want to do is just kind of go through the stages of first take a smell. Uh, it gives you kind of a preconception of what you're expecting to taste. And not all beers, what you smell is what you're going to taste. Hops are weird like that and you can have two different aspects of it. Mm -hmm. But that preconception um, gives you a, a notifier of, of what you're expecting. And that's very important because it allows your brain to sort of start pulling up key terms in what you're going to be tasting. As you smell it, um, before you take your sip, mm -hmm. you're going to get a little hint of that rye off the top. You're going to get some of that roast and toast, almost a coffee-like-esque mm -hmm. uh, flavor. That roast and toast you're talking about, that's from the darker malts that are characteristic yes. of this variety, right? Exactly. And those malts are the exact same malts that are utilized for the base malt that don't have that. They've just been uh, kilned, cooked, dried, different process to it that creates that kind of toasted. They, they've been burnt. Um, and different malts, depending on where they come from, will have a different kind of toast, much like coffee. Mm -hmm. uh, not all coffee tastes the same. It's because mm -hmm. it's what's done with it and where it comes from mm -hmm. um, that will create those nuances of flavor. So is the first sip, is it, which sip in the, uh, when you're tasting it, which sip is the one that's going to tell you the most about the flavor of the beer? In, you know, in my opinion, it's going to be the second one. The first one's kind of shock value. Um, you're overwhelmed with whatever the, the most in, important or the most pronounced flavor profile is. But what you really want is the complexity of the flavor. And, uh, you know, with the CO2, it's not something like wine where you have to kind of breathe in as you taste it to get that aeration. Um, the CO2 will do that in your, in, in your mouth yourself. So what you really want to do is just take a full mouthful and let it just kind of sit and swizzle and get all aspects of your mouth 
and that will be where you start tasting the full like flavor profile. Um, when you drink fast and you put it all the way back, you miss the tip of your tongue, and that's where the sweetness is, and you lose a lot of flavor coming off of the malts if you don't let it touch that part of your tongue. So you really kind of want to take your tongue and press it up against the top of your mouth with the beer in it and make sure that it gets on just about everywhere, and you'll it kind of change the flavor profile slightly in your mouth. One of the things that I'm always drawn to in terms of, of beer and wine is um, is kind of like the mouthfeel of a beer. I really like beer that's got like like that's like almost like engine oil. Like I like really thick, dark beers. What gives a, a versus something that's going to be a little bit lighter and almost more watery? What's the what's the difference there? Is it just a matter of what kinds of ingredients are used? Or so like this is a pretty thick beer. Um, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So um, that comes down to a couple of key factors. Um, one, that uh, kind of viscosity, the, the smoothness, the sweetness can come off of um, how much sugar is left. Um, basically, in fermentation, um, you have a, like a high set sugar to water ratio, which is what a term we call gravity or Plato. And as it ferments, it drops down, the sugar gets eaten, and it's created into um, the alcohol and the CO2 is what the yeast does. So the drier beers, things like really dry lagers, um, you're not going to have that same mouthfeel as like a sweeter, um, higher gravity uh, stout or porter because they have more sugar in them, and that creates some of that viscosity. Um, and the other aspect of that is what went into it. Flaked malts, such as flaked wheat and barley, um, they create a little bit softer, smoother profile versus um, your normal grains that get crushed to give you that flavor. And the other thing would be on the amount of CO2 or nitrous. Um, so if you ever had something like Guinness, which is a nitrous beer, it tastes really, really smooth and it's really kind of creamy on the palate. Same with the cream ale coming off the nitrous. That's because nitrous is a smaller bubble and so it washes over the palate softer. Uh, carbonation, CO2, is a very harsh and that's where you get some of that carbonic bite and it tastes a little bit more of that tingle on your tongue when you drink it. And so those all factors kind of blend to create that overall mouthfeel. It's actually getting pretty common these days that um, it's called a mixed gas system in which that it's a, a ratio between the two um, that pour both of them. Um, and so the beers that are, are built based off of how much CO2 is in solution for the nitrous pours one way and the beers that are built f to run off of CO2 pour a different way. Um, and with the cask thing, what you're dealing is you're still dealing with CO2 um, in any form or fashion. If it's um, in a firkin, um, then that has its natural pressure. It's getting pushed in. Um, and then with a cask, generally those are going to be moved into a bright tank or something and then carbonated. Um, so you're still going to be dealing with those main two gases. Um, it just depends on the ratio between the two and what kind of the creaminess would be on heavier on the nitro and the sharper would be heavier on the CO2. Um, there is some fun people, I can't remember the brewery doing it in Australia, but they've been using helium because they've been trying to develop a beer to be able to give to um, astronauts in space or take out into a system of that as we're moving into a, a new realm of that. Or just make a great party trick. Yeah, just make a great party trick or something of that nature. So people are experimenting with different things, but generally you deal with CO2 and nitrous and a, a level between the ratio in, in which your tank is pushing with both. Um, you mentioned the cask, and I, I kind of wanted to slip this in. Uh, the natural carbonation, something that's caught through the fermentation process of the yeast coming out, comes out as a finer, a uh, little bit smoother CO2 
force carbonated, which is what most breweries do to make sure that they have the standard consistency, um, is just pushing CO2 into a flat beer after it's been moved over into bright. That comes out perfectly fine, but it just doesn't quite have that same small bubble that the natural CO2 capture um, will provide. So you can somewhere taste that depending on the places you are. Do you have any thoughts? I mean, you always think of like wine tasting and going wine tasting, you know, on Mother's Day weekend, but you never really, I mean, beer tasting isn't really a thing that people do. I mean, and it's just as, it's just as complex, if not more so in some ways as wine. So why do you think that hasn't really caught on? Well, you know, I, I think it's making it, it's move that direction, especially with the, um, the diversity of the beers that we have. And we're in a, a region and an area that is special with the amount of access we have to the ingredients to make it and the amount of breweries that we have creating such great different concoctions. Um, I think it comes from that beer has always kind of been the blue collar. I mean, we're still emerging out of an industry which is the American domestic lager from, um, from kind of what I would say ancient times in the brewing industry. And now you have all these different styles and uh, we're looking into even uh, more uh, rare styles with the sours making a big movement and um, some of those lost history recipes coming out um, of the bigger breweries that are experimenting, that you're finding that complexity and you're finding that uh, level of class that the wine uh, sits on, especially with barrel aging and things of that nature. So I think you're gonna see a lot more of it. Um, There's definitely a lot of more of kind of beer dinners Uh, pairings going on in restaurants making sure that things match up like you would have with the wines Um, and I think it's just a matter of time before you see them kind of on the same level um, if if they haven't already kind of broached that depending on what area of of the United States or the world that you're in. So can we break this beer down? Can we taste and talk about this beer in front of us? Okay I feel like we should walk people through that. Okay so remind us we're holding the rye porter right? Yeah Grimlock rye porter. Which first off I think I'm seeing a lot more ryes on the market in general right now but I thought it was really interesting that you guys chose to put a rye with a porter. Talk to us a little bit about the type of malts that you're gonna we're gonna see in this and maybe the flavors that we might expect when we were about to slurp on it. So this is a fun one Um, there's actually I want to say about 10 or 11 different malts in this and dark beers tend to have that because you kind of level up through um, the different toasting and, and, and what the grain has gone through. It's like a full color spectrum. Full color spectrum. You want to range your way up. You get some of the middle roasts give you a little bit of that caramel flavor profile. That's where you're going to find in some of those more amber-esque um, beers. And you, when you say roast, it's talking like almost like you would roast coffee. Like you literally heat up the grains for a certain period of time to get certain flavor. Yeah, the, profiles, the malters, right? the, it's, they use a kiln and basically the longer it's cooked, the more sugar gets out of it and the more burnt it gets, gives you more of that coffee flavor. Um, mm. And they have all sorts of different processes. It's a whole different spectrum of the diversity in which they can do. Gotcha. Um, so there's 10 of those in here right now. Yeah. Wow. So, so And what really spawned this one is um, you were saying how you've seen the prevalence of a, a rye coming out into the market. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I want to say about a year or two ago, rye was basically just rye malt. There wasn't a lot of diversity to it. Um, the malters hadn't really put a lot of uh, the same toasting and roasting they've done with the barley. Mm-hmm. Um, as of the last year, now they've taken all the way to um, the one we used, which is uh, chocolate rye malt. And that chocolate rye malt is based off of the temperature in which they've they burnt it and kilned it um, mm-hmm. to give that flavor to it, but it's still a rye malt. Mm. And so it gives both the rye spice and that chocolate kind of overtone. And then to round that out, we added some other chocolate malts, some base rye malt. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a little bit of chocolate wheat in there too, just to mm. kind of give a, a complexity flavor to the whole dark. So 
Um, is there any, and what kind of hop, if so, what what kind of hops are in here, and what are the hops going to be doing in a dark beer like this? So if you didn't add any hops, you'd have a very sweet concoction. Mm. Um, so the hops add a little bit of bitterness. Now we're in something like an IPA or a pale ale. The hops are kind of forefront. They are what you're trying to taste. Mm-hmm. Um, in a darker beer, you generally want it to more balance it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so a bigger, the bigger the dark beer, the more hops you're going to add into it mm-hmm. um, just to kind of have that balance. But you don't want it overtaking. Mm-hmm. Um, when it does overtake, that's where you end up in the black IPAs, right. uh, things of that nature. But for a porter or a stout, the, the goal is just to kind of allow both the hops and the malt to make a shine. Gotcha. Um, and so you're going to taste a lot of that roast and toast, and you'll get a little bit of that bitterness on the back end. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is just to, that creates that refreshment. It creates that kind of balance on the profile. Got you. Let's taste this thing, and then let's talk about what we're tasting. Yeah. I see some smiles. Mm-hmm. Hmm. My first impression with this thing is the carbonation is just like super gentle. It doesn't have an aggressive bite like I think like a lot of like IPAs do. It's the first one. I'm going to use IPA a lot because I think so many people up here drink that. But there's like you, that toastiness is really there. There's almost like a hint of like cinnamon to it. And then like the aftertaste is like there's like a level where it's like bitter on the back of my tongue but still kind of sweet on the front. Yeah, it's definitely a pretty mild bitterness to it. So, I mean, like you're drinking a good cup of coffee, you know, it's got that little bit of bitterness right at the end there, but it's not it's not aggressive like you see obviously in the in the beer of choice for the Pacific Northwest. So, well, and depending on the style of dark beer that you're drinking, some of them will have a more aggressive bitterness, some of them will have almost no bitterness at all. I think one thing that's really fun about porters, especially this porter, is while it's a really dark beer, it's got that real full body to it, lots of great color. It's it's deceiving because its palate is really, really light. Um, I think this one, even especially, I've had so many other porters where like the chocolate is a lot more present or there's a lot more tang from like, you know, just the the, uh, darker malts that are in it. But this one, it's like, I I just keep thinking like cinnamon. It's got like almost like a, a, it's like a synesthesia going on or something, but it almost tastes golden brown to me. Yeah, there's like a really good spice to it that and, kind of runs through. And that's going to be the rye. That's, that's what makes okay. a really nice play to it is adds that complexity. Um, and so that cinnamon flavor that he's describing then, does that also come from the rye or is that more from the Yeah, that that's, uh, I would say that's kind of a, um, that comes from the rye. I think your your mind is grabbing that spice and trying to attribute it to something that you're familiar with. Um, and so it's saying cinnamon in, in your head. And that's something that's very common in tasting is, especially, it, it's a thing of practice. Um, you don't just come off the bat with an amazing palate and be able to pull out the nuance of flavors. It's something that you kind of go, okay, well, I taste sugar and I taste kind of bread. It, it reminds me of cereal. And you take that and you go, okay, what's cereal? Well, it's sugar and it's malt. It's either cornflakes or it's rice. And you can kind of break it down into the different flavors from there. And the same thing with hops. You go, oh, it's citrusy. Well, the more you taste, you'll be able to taste the nuance. Is it like an orange citrus? Is it a tangerine citrus? Is it a grapefruit citrus? And so for you to say cinnamon, it's you kind of comparing and contrasting to your memory of what that spice brought you to. 
and cinnamon is the one that it's finding is the most similar, but it's actually just the rye on the backside. But then as you get a little bit wiser about the specific ingredients in beer to be able to kind of hone it. So what are you tasting in this beer? We described what we're yeah. tasting. What are you tasting? For me on, on the Grimlock Rye Porter, um, I get a full kind of that chocolate up front um, finished by a little bit of that tannic roast. And then, like you said, that spicy rye on the backside, um, balanced out by a little bit of the bitterness from the noble hops put in, but uh, not anything uh, overwhelming with the hops. For me, it's a very sessionable dark beer. Um, it's my go-to. I could sit here and drink Grimlock Rye Porter all day uh, till I, I have to call a cab home. So let's talk about beer and food pairing just briefly, if we can. I'm so glad you well, I think so many. I think so many people like they go to a brew pub, grab like a burger and fries or a sandwich, and they just default to like an IPA or a pale ale. Um, let's talk about like a beer. What a, what like a dark beer like this might pair with? What those more hoppy beers might pair with? Where do these flavors go? Yeah. Well, you know the the pairings. Um, it's a new world in, in which uh, chefs and brewers are kind of looking at that and how to blend those two flavor profiles. Um, for me, I really think dark beers go well with uh, red meats, um, kind of like a, a red wine would. You know, it's a little bit more of a bold flavor profile, a little bit more um, on that. Um, and also with the sweetness, it goes well with spice, um, which is an interesting thing to note. Um, spice changes the flavor profile. You'll actually taste a sweeter beer after you've had something spicy. If you ever want to do an interesting experiment, uh, drink a beer and then eat like a Tim's Cascade jalapeno chip or something, something really spicy that sits on your tongue and then drink the same beer and it will be a completely different flavor profile. The hops dissipate out and the malt really shines forward. I don't know what the science is behind it, but this would be so good with like a, like a lamb or something mm. with like some like Middle Eastern sort of spice rub on it and like some toasted pine nuts or walnuts or something would be would be awesome. If somebody really wants to learn beers and, you know, do more than just drink it, if they want to taste it, how do you recommend they get started? You know, uh, the best is home brewing. Um, you know, shops like Bader's over off of uh, Mill Plain and Grand, um, they do a really good job and they also do have a bunch of classes. And it's one of those things, it's like cooking. The more you do it and the more you actually make it, you understand what goes into it and you understand how those ingredients create those flavor profiles and it's really the best way. Um, outside of that, just tasting, try tasting something you wouldn't normally get. If you're only drinking IPAs, you're really going to only understand IPAs. You're really never going to understand how the malts interact. You have to drink the dark beers and the middle malt beers like reds and ambers to really understand those flavor profiles. But take notes. Um, just like in anything, it's practice. So it's hard to look back a year from now and go, okay, well, I had that beer that one time and it tasted exactly like this and I can pull those flavors out. But if you have a little notebook with you that said, well, I tasted, you know, total domination and it had this flavor and, and that flavor and this flavor and this year I'm tasting it and, oh, now that citrus flavor that I picked up, I actually think it's more of a tangerine or I think it's more of a grapefruit. You can start kind of breaking that down. Um, things like untapped are a great resource for that because you can log what you've tasted and how you liked now, it and take notes. Yeah, that's an app. Uh, wow. That's pretty common. Um, I think there's a couple of them, but I think it's the most common um, where you can log what you've drank and how you liked it um, and also put reviews. And you can also talk in a social media sense with other people trying it about their experience with the beer. Um, but really, it's just it's science experiment. Mm -hmm. Log it down, mm -hmm. 
try diverse mm-hmm. more you do the more you're gonna know hey thanks a lot for sitting down and talking with us about it I really appreciate it and I think that people whoever listened to this is gonna learn a ton and hopefully people will come and try out some more beer yeah definitely uh, thanks for yeah having me on and uh, I look forward to hearing it and seeing people down at Lewitt and mm-hmm. drinking the beers and trying new things and being able to broader their uh, horizons with new styles that they haven't tried before hey everybody Today's podcast is brought to you by the Colombian Subscription Department. If you like what you've heard, but you want to hear more of it, please subscribe to the newspaper. For only $20 a month, you can get news delivered to your door every single day, but you have to tell them you want to use the podcast special. Call 360-694-2312. This offer is only available to customers that haven't had service in the last 30 days. Katie. When was the very first time you tried a beer and you were like, oh, wow, microbrews, this this is something I can get behind? Um, You know, I think so. I went to Pullman Mm -hmm. or I went to WSU in Pullman. um, And since the beer of choice for WSU students is uh, Bush Light, otherwise known as Pullman Water, um, I I deferred to a lot of vodka crayons in college. So Uh um, but I think my first experience with a good beer was um, was having a men's room on tap. Uh, Oh, men's room red. Yeah. Men's room red. It's um, a good um, i think it's a good lesion yeah Yeah. good easy drinking beer and that is a um, good one yeah so that Mm -hmm. was my first introduction to a really good beer so kind of changed everything all right so that concludes part one and hopefully you guys learned some good tips and tricks on how to taste your beer and what to look for in them and if you're really excited to go out and really try out some of those new things and um, figure out the things we were talking about, your opportunity is coming up really soon, right? Yeah, actually, the Winter Brew Fest is coming up on uh, December 9th and 10th. Um, and according mm. to their website, that is on um, that's going to cost $12, $12. That gets you entry and five uh, little taster tokens, and then you can buy Pretty additional tokens there. So this two-day event is going to feature 35 different beers on tap and and according to their website, one gigantic heated tent. So wow. better be impressed by the size of that tent then. So um, if you guys are going to try them all, remember, save the hoppy ones for last. Yes, save the hoppy ones for the end. Start um, low in your IBUs and then work your way up. Yes. And apparently this one is also going to feature uh, England beers. Oh. Uh, five different five different England beers. I wonder if my, my old buddy Samuel Smith is going to be showing up. That is one of my favorite breweries. Yeah, you were talking about that. You were talking about that. So Cool. Well, we should probably wrap this up. Probably. Okay, so tune in next week, everybody, because we're going to go round two on beers. And this time, though, we're going to talk to uh, we're going to talk about a little bit about the business of beer. We're going to talk about the beer scene in Vancouver, uh, talk to a new a new brewery that's only been around for a couple months and talk to a new one that's coming in over from Portland. I don't want to give any of it away yet, but I think it's really interesting. So yeah, and stay I think tuned. Uh, I think Damien and I might try our hands at uh, making some beer. Yes, and yes. Seeing what happens. It's gonna be good. So. And as always, please tune in, check it out, tell us what you think, tell us if you love it. Subscribe, subscribe. Tell your friends please. to subscribe. Yeah, yeah, tell your mom to subscribe. If you don't have any money for gifts this year, our subscriptions are free. They're free. And they're going to warm the hearts of your friends and family. I don't know how you gift a podcast subscription. You know what you do? You, you take, tell them you about You take it. your mom's smartphone and you type it in and you hit subscribe to Clark Talks and you say, for you, mom, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah. And she's her life will be enriched and she will be smarter about life in Clark County. <laughs> or at least about beer in Clark County. And so. she will say thank you. <laughs> so we're on iTunes 
SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And you can always check Colombian.com on Thursdays where you'll see the podcast on our homepage. Excellent. All right. Thanks. 